Evening, happy to be in the house of the Lord, fellowship together around the Word of God, amen, to praise Him, to worship Him, to feed at His table, praise God, and He's prepared a table for us, amen, amen. Brother Tom was speaking on honey in the trial, so I just thought we'd sing honey in the rock, (laughs) amen, honey in the rock, I believe it's key of C. Number 674. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious, who is wondrous, kind, and true? He's the rock of your salvation. Oh, there's honey in the rock for you. Oh, there's honey in the rock. My brother, there's honey in the rock for you. Leave your sins for the blood to cover. There's honey in the 
rock for you. Okay, I've got to adapt to the Bible way of singing this. <laughs> I'm still galloping across the prairies the way I sing it. Amen. <laughs> All right, verse 2. Help me sing it. Taste that the Lord is gracious. Do you walk in the way that's new? Have you drank from the living fountain? There's honey in the rock for you. Oh, there's honey in the rock, my brother. There's honey in the rock for you. Leave your sins for the blood to cover. There's honey in the rock for you. Do you pray unto God the Father? What wilt thou have me to do? Oh, never fear, he will surely answer. There's honey in the rock for you. There's honey in the rock, my brother. There's honey blood to cover there's honey in the rock for you then go out through the streets and byways preach the word to the many or few say to every fallen brother there's honey in the rock for you there's honey in the rock my brother Thankful for that honey. Amen. There's healing in the honey. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's sing a song that I know, we all know, and I know. I shall not be moved. Let's stand and sing it together. I shall not be, oh, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like
Hallelujah. I just got to share this with you. I was on my way to church this evening and I was listening to the prophet speaking and he was talking about that time that he was lost in the wilderness riding a horse in the northern B.C. And he's been chasing a grizzly bear and got lost and it got dark. And while Brother Branham's a real special type person, he doesn't get excited when he gets lost. He just, well, I'm lost. Lord, why did I get lost? Why did you let me get lost? And he ends up in that old burnover. And oh my, the way he dramatized it on this service is just incredible. He's just describing how them trees were moaning in the wind. And I thought to myself, you know, prophet of God said the same water that saved Noah drowned the world, destroyed the world. Amen. And the same wind that was blowing through those old burnt out trees was causing the new growth to rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My, I just was rejoicing in myself, just thinking on how the Holy Spirit is poured out upon this generation and we're just feasting on the Word of God. Though many can't see it, many don't receive it, but thankful that we have that within us to receive the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Maybe we could sing that little chorus, We exalt thee, we exalt thee, or I exalt thee. I exalt thee.
one more time. Brother Curtis, could I ask you to come and lead us in prayer tonight as we sing that one more time? We place you in the highest before you, Lord. We brought ourselves here, Lord, because we're people in need. And we know you have what we need, Lord. There's so many places we could be right now, Lord. But we're hungry for more of you, Jesus. Lord, may we prepare ourselves to meet you tonight. To receive from you tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, if there's anything between us and you right now, Lord, pride, maybe we think we're better than someone else. Maybe someone made us angry today. Maybe we're just frustrated with ourselves and believe we're unworthy. And we are unworthy, Lord. And that's why we're here. Jesus, I, I know I need more of you tonight. And something we can't see that you can see, Lord, in us. A blind spot. An area of unbelief. A hurt. An ailment. And you know the cause of it. And you know the solution to it, Lord. Even tonight, Lord Jesus, touch us where we don't even know where we need to be touched. We're aching, Lord Jesus, and you want to help us more than we even want to be helped, I believe. So, Lord Jesus, may we just lay it all down tonight, Lord. If there's any unforgiveness in our heart, any pride, Lord, May we just release it to you right now, Lord. May we just forgive that person right now, Lord. Look at what you did for us, Lord. Look at what you forgave in us, Lord Jesus. How can we even compare, Lord? We just love you, Lord. We just love to call on your name. We just love to eat at your table, Lord. We're such a blessed people. Lord Jesus, for those who couldn't be here tonight, Lord, but really wanted to be here, Lord, meet them where they're at. If anyone's streaming this at a later date, Lord Jesus, meet them where they're at. Because time is nothing to you. And you see right through us, Lord Jesus. 
you see us when we were little children, when we were growing up, when you see us today, and if there's a tomorrow, you would see us tomorrow, Lord Jesus, and you know what our needs are every step of our journey. We bless your name, Jesus. And bless our brother Tim, Lord. We came here because we know that these ministers have been ordained, Lord. And they wore the robe that the, the prophet wore, Lord, the, the same word, and they've come to feed us, Lord. So bless our brother Tim and give us ears to receive tonight, Lord Jesus. We love you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. down maybe we can just sing that little chorus together pleasing let me be pleasing to you oh please your seats this evening. We're going to have a special tonight, and I pray that ask them to come forward and minister unto us in song. Just want to greet you each and every one. Just come on up, get ready to sing. Amen. Greet everyone tonight. Happy to have the opportunity to fellowship together. As we said, we want to greet those that are online with us, and as our brother Curtis prayed, may God just Drop down in your presence this evening. Amen. God bless you. Let them come alive 
singing to the Lord. It's, praise God. It's just wonderful to see. Amen. God bless you, sisters. We appreciate that. Maybe we can uh, sing together. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord as our brother Tim would come. I stand in awe within the presence of
expectation in him this evening if you've put your expectation anywhere else you will be sorely disappointed governments will disappoint you I don't care what kind of government it is it could be democracy it could be capitalism it could be socialism it could be communism whatever title they want to put on it they will all disappoint you America will disappoint you Canada will disappoint you no matter where you're from on this world they will disappoint you but God will never disappoint you Amen. Our hope is Him alone. Is in Him alone. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning or this evening and turn to the book of uh, Psalms, chapter 25. Amen. You can have that ready for me. Thank you. Amen. Just a brief update on Uganda. I'll call it a Uganda update, but uh, I'll mention something else as well. Um, you remember when I came back from Uganda, there were a couple of churches that needed repair. I want to just bring you updates because uh, starting now, we'll probably have a lot of things happening. We're expecting three churches at least built per month. All, all manner of books and Bibles being printed and all that sort of thing. A lot of things are happening in that country. We're now translating in four languages and I could go on and on, but I just want to make it very brief. Um, maybe you give me the next page. I don't have a, it's not working for me here. Uh, you'll remember the brother that, uh, uh, had the, some of the local people try and burn his church down and, we mentioned that it would take some funds and we were thankful for the funds to be available to, uh, they're just about finished. They actually are finished. I don't have a finished picture, but this is Brother Don. Brother Don Julius is one of the original pastors that came into the message in the revival. He's been uh, in the message for several years now, works very closely with Brother Fred Chienji, had a church of about a thousand people. That number has decreased to about 400, which is still a good size. And, uh, and so they're, they're just on fire for God. Amen. Naturally and spiritually. <laughs> but we repaired the natural fire. And, uh, now they can carry on with the spiritual fire. Thank you. And then when I got to Uganda, you'll remember there was a storm that went through and took the roof off. This is a great testimony. This brother is Brother Stewart in, uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of the area now. It's, it escapes me. But nevertheless, he, uh, he had been in the message for about a year, but on fire for God. He was, this was the last Sunday we met at his place. And, uh, they had had a, the damaged building bef- just before I got there. And we were planning these meetings and I was praying, Lord, don't let Brother Fred cancel the meetings. I want to still have the meetings there, even though the building was damaged. And we did, and they appreciated that. And I told them, I says, we'll do what we can to help you repair this. And when we got home, People stepped forward and and uh, we were able to repair the building and it's completely finished. And we're, we thank God for that and God bless you for that. That's a great testimony. And, and the believers there, the new believers, uh, I think there's about 150 in this church that have been recently baptized. And, and they are just amazed. They said, when we were associating with denomination and the groups they were associating with we have never had an outpouring of love like this 
And he said, just to know that there's people around the world that have a love for the people of God. It's really touched their hearts. So God bless each and every one of you that gave. There are three churches currently being constructed on top of some other needs that are being built as well. So God bless you. I wanted to bring you that brief update. Thank you very much. You can take that down. And I hope that's not disruptive to the atmosphere tonight. We're just expecting from God. The people in Rwanda are expecting from God. They, they just landed 3,000 church age books in Rwanda for the first time. They will have the church age book in their language for the first time in all the years. I say praise be to God. The Lord is doing wonderful things. And the Chinese believers have donated, uh, 500 mp3 players for them there as well so they've labored to have translation work our own brother ellie quizera uh has worked with them and and run the project and they've done wonderful translation work they've done audio translation and the bride of jesus christ in rwanda are going to be clothed with the word of god so we praise god for that don't we Amen. Psalms chapter 25, just before we read, let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer as we give thanks for all that the Lord has done. Heavenly Father, to you be the glory. Great things you have done, O God. How you've brought a bride together from every kindred, tongue, and nation from around the world, Lord. What put this together? Nothing but the Holy Spirit. There's no earthly headquarters. Our headquarters is in heaven. Lord, you have brought people in through the last decades since you have opened your word to bring them under the light of this hour. It is amazing in our sight, Lord, to behold. We are truly beholding your glory. For the woman is the glory of the man. And the bride is your glory. And we say praise be to your name, O God. We thank you for your blessings. We remember how you blessed us when we first came in. And we're thankful, Lord, for these believers in Uganda, in Rwanda, different places, Lord, that are being blessed. We couldn't have enough time to share everything that you're doing. But now, Lord, tonight as we're gathered together around your word, We have a soul, Lord, that you are in love with. We thank you that you are the lover of our souls. We thank you, Lord, when no man cared for us, you cared for us, Lord. You sought us out. You came by our way in the power of your resurrection. You resurrected us out of dead uh, churches, out of dead denominationalism, out of dead worldlyism, oh God. You poured your resurrection life into us and we're in the midst of a resurrection that will culminate in the change of these mortal bodies. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll just take us another step tonight. As we turn back, Father, the pages of your word, we don't want to take just the thoughts of a man or the construction of the mind of a man, but we want the mind that was in Christ Jesus to be in us tonight. Bring us together, Lord, in one mind and one accord. Father, just just take this service now under your control. Bless the ones that are watching on the screens in their homes, wherever they are, Lord. And Father, I pray that you'll just move through this service, giving us what we have need of for you alone know what we have need of. As Brother Curtis said, prayed, Lord. Lord, we want more of you. And that's the testimony of every believer. 
We want more of you, Lord. We commit it to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 25, actually picking up where we left off last time we preached. And uh, I wanted actually to go back and listen to that service myself. And uh, I I listened to the end of it to remind myself where I ended off at. And uh, the Lord just seems so in control of the service. And uh, Psalms chapter 25, let's read from verse 1. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Last time as we spoke, just to refresh you briefly, refresh your minds, we spoke about the soul purpose, the eternal purpose, the purpose of God that is in our souls, not just in our minds or our spirits and not in, just in our flesh, but the purpose that God has within us putting within us a predestinated seed, calling us on the earth with an eternal purpose. Or as Brother Branham said in, I think, Man Running from the Presence of the Lord, he said, we're put here with a responsibility. And we're responsible for God, are responsible to go to God and find out what that is. God has put us here with a purpose. And, and it's not for me to tell you your purpose, but it's for you to go to God and find His purpose. And God will direct you through His Word to the purpose that He has for you. We don't want to be locked into our natural feelings. We don't want to be locked into the feelings of our minds, our conscience, reasonings, affections, and so forth. But our soul has that eternal representation. And as David said, we lift up our soul unto God. And and as we ministered, as I ministered a couple weeks ago, to find out that that's that's what really gets God to respond to our prayers. It's when we touch Him from the depth of our being. We're not moved to pray because of just maybe some pain in the flesh. Or we're not moved to pray just because we have some kind of something in our minds or imagination or something. But there's something within the inside of the inside that moves us to God. A deep calling to the deep, as the scripture says. And so there's a purpose In the soul, there's a purpose in you, there's a purpose in me, there's a purpose in every son and daughter of God that cannot fail. I want to start there tonight. That purpose cannot be delayed. That purpose cannot be confused. And that purpose cannot be defeated. Can you say amen to that? And the reason is not because we're something special but because it was in God's thoughts of what we would be. God put us here. Can you say amen to that? 
God put you here. God put you in Laodicea. God put you in the end time. God gave you your message. God equips you with everything that you have need of. And because of God putting all of that within us, it's God himself that he has deposited within us. And because it's God, it's eternal. And because it's God, it cannot fail. I can fail. You can fail. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. But there's a purpose that cannot fail. Because, and I'll just jump ahead a little bit. If the purpose can fail, God can fail. Because God doesn't have a plan B. God doesn't have an alternative plan. God doesn't have something. Well, you know, if this doesn't work, I'll just do that. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that can hinder the purpose of God. But as Brother Branham said, even when we're praying, we don't pray to change God's mind. God forbid that we would ever change God's mind. We pray for Him to change our mind. Lord, line us up with Your perfect will. Lord, this is what I have need of in my life. But but even as we pray and present it before God, we still have to pray as Jesus prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. This is the way I see it. This is the way I feel. This is the way I'm I, I'm feeling moved. But Lord, I don't want my will. I want Your will in my life. If I just have my will, I might be like Balaam. If I just have my way, I might be like Esau. If I have just my way, I might be led astray by different motivations in life. I don't want to be led by any motivations in life. I want to be led by the deep that's calling on the inside. Lord, let that connection connect with you. Amen. So David writes here in the Psalms, Unto thee, O Lord, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. But I want to actually dwell a little bit on verse 2. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over thee. Let me not be ashamed. That's an interesting statement. You know, shame means something in the English language that is different than the Hebrew, actually. And we know in just the regular English language... There's some words that mean different things to different people. There's some words we were talking about before the service that don't mean anything to anybody, and uh, or at least anybody but us. And uh, but the word shame, we feel shame for many reasons, and sometimes we're glad that people feel shame. Sometimes you look out at the world in general and you wonder, do people feel shame? You know, I was driving home the other day from the office here, and there was a man walking down the street. I'm sure he was in his pajamas. I'm positive it had to be pajamas. I don't know what else it could be called. And uh, he was walking down the street, and I thought, my, people have no shame. Just get out of bed and walk down the street, and there he goes. And he, he, he can't be in his right mind. To wear what that man was wearing going down the street. We know that as soon as the weather warms up. Brother Brown talks about the women that have to get outside in immoral clothes. And they, they have to strip themselves off. He says they have no shame. They, ha- they, ha- they have nothing that, that corrects them. That tells them that's not right. And you shouldn't do those kinds of things. And, 
And, uh, and so sometimes you wonder why people aren't ashamed to do what they're doing, but that's not actually what the meaning of the word is here when David says, let me not be ashamed. It's the word doesn't mean humiliation, although it sometimes is compared to that in, in, in people. But if I quote the dictionary, because I'm not that learned, so excuse me if I quote the dictionary, it says, the English stresses the inner attitude when it talks about ashamed. The state of mind. While the Hebrew means to come to shame and stresses the sense of public disgrace or a physical state. Alright, so let me just, just bring that out now out of the scriptures. There's a place of being ashamed. There's a position called you have been shamed or you have been made ashamed. There's a shame in the Old Testament. It, it varies in how it's dealt with. And I'm not going to go into a lot of the scriptures here because that would take a lot of time. But there is a shame because of a, a decision, whether it be a, an immoral or an imprudent action. There's a shame also that results of guilt. Somebody has done something that they know is wrong and there's a sense of shame. But this word has a deeper And broader meaning than just that. And I know you're listening carefully, so bear with me. There is a shame that comes because of an inability to achieve a result. And that's where we're getting to tonight. Because of perhaps several factors. One might be looking for uh, the resources to obtain something. Like Jesus talked about, you know... First, you must count the cost to see whether you're able to pay the price. If you're, if a man builds a tower, he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't build it halfway and run out of materials. He says, lest he be ashamed. He's got to count the cost first. There's got to be, there's got to be a reality to it that I have a goal in mind and I don't want to get halfway to the goal. That would be a shame. That would be something that I would fall short from what the purpose is in the goal that I have. So in, in one place, it's talking about going to the well and finding no water. That's, that's to be ashamed or to be embarrassed. Uh, embarrassed of your purpose. And yet, there's nothing in yourself that you could, you could actually say it's your fault because there's no water there. You don't supply the water. But you've got a goal in mind for what you want to use that water for. But you're ashamed because the resources are not there. Or we could say that to, for the blessings to stop flowing. As God, when He would judge Israel, like when Elisha uh, called, uh, for a drought for three and a half years, or Elijah rather called for a drought for three and a half years. That was to put Israel to shame. It was to show them that God alone is your blessing. And you wouldn't want to be ashamed in the presence of your enemies. You wouldn't want to be ashamed and, uh, and find yourself short of what you need to accomplish in life. There's a shame that comes at the defeat of your enemy. And this is often referred to in the scripture. And now we'll bring it up to the, the day we're living in. It's often referred to in the scripture as being found naked. In other words, being found without protection. Being found uncovered. It's not just the shame of nakedness. But it's all that's implied with that. There's no protection. There's no strength. There's no virtue. 
There are so many things that are missing. And as a result, shame comes upon a nation, a people, a person, because they find themselves without the necessary ingredient of protection. And we realize that even in the age that we're living in, nakedness is mentioned of this age. In Laodicea in chapter, in Revelations chapter 3 and verse 18, God says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. It's not just the nakedness, but the shame of being naked. And Brother Branham picks it up in, in the message, and knoweth it not. And he says, it's not just that a man is naked. If a man is naked and he knows it, then he can do something about it. But he says, if a man is naked and doesn't know it, he says, that's where the terrible part is. And that's where it's spoken of this age. They, they think that they're rich, increase with goods, and have need of nothing, but knoweth not that thou art poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. Alright, so there's a great shame upon this age, and people have become ashamed, but they have no shame. And the shame is that they have no resources. The shame is when they stand before God, they'll have nothing to say. The shame is that they'll, they'll not be able to say, oh, you know, I, I got all the answers. They think they have the answers, but it, it results in nothing, and that's the shame. It's like when God speaks to Haggai, and he talks about, you know, putting your money into a hole, into bags with holes in it. You know, he says, you can't keep nothing. Well, I make money and I labor for it and I have all these things, but you put it into bags with holes in it because you're not treating the kingdom of God correctly. You're not bringing your tithes and your offerings. You're not making yourself a part of the kingdom of God. And as a result, the devourer comes and devours what you have to your shame. You see, that's the age we're living in. People, well, I don't need God. I can do this. I can do that. And, and young people, be careful because the, the, the bombardment of media is to cast doubt in God. Glad for those young people singing tonight. God bless you, young ladies. I appreciated that song. And the, and, and how that the devil wants to trick the young people say, you can do it on your own. I just want to say, I can't do it on my own. People say, oh, well, you're weak. Yeah, that's right. I'm weak, but he's strong. And the problem is about this age is they don't know they're weak. They don't know they're naked. They don't know they're poor. They don't know they're wretched. They don't know they're blind. And that's the shame. They're trying to accomplish something that they'll never accomplish. Brother Branham says, in the latest in church age book about the church, he says she has left the word of God. And taken her own creeds and dogmas, she has organized and joined herself to the world. Thus is she naked. And God is judging her lewdness. And the only way she can get out of this dread situation is by obeying the Lord to come back to his word. That's why David says, Lord... Let me not be ashamed. But there's one more aspect of this word ashamed. And that is actually tied to a delay. The word is actually used in, in some places in the scripture, like when Moses 
was on the mountain in Exodus chapter 32. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mount. That's actually the same word in the Hebrew. Delayed. So it's not just a lack of a purpose or an inability to arrive at the purpose, but when something is delayed, something is put off. And so that causes an embarrassment or or a shame. It causes a lack of, uh, you know, when you're waiting for something. You ever, you ever been to an event and you're waiting and it's late? Like a wedding, right? <laughs> you know, it's the wedding's supposed to start at 12 and uh, doesn't start till 12.15. I went and preached a wedding I won't say whose wedding it was. It wasn't here. It was in another place. And that narrows it down quite a bit. And, uh, and I was, the, the bride hadn't arrived and I found out, I tried to find out where's the bride. An hour had gone by after the started time. Still no bride. I thought, well, this is unusual. And I, I talked to the local pastor and I said, have you heard anything? He said, well, I think they're on their way. I said, well, that, that would be a good thing. <laughs> hour and a half goes by. They're not there yet. Hour, I think it was an hour and 45 minutes after the scheduled time. Now, that's what it means to be ashamed by delay. <laughs> you're you're kind of like, you don't have anything to tell anybody. We're supposed to start the wedding at 12 and it's 1.45. What's going on? Well, it'll start eventually. But it was to be ashamed and the people were looking for Moses. One week goes by. Two week goes by. Because by what happened, you realize that the people didn't know God without Moses. Because as soon as they, they thought, you know, after 40 days went by and said, well, as for Moses, we don't know what's become of him. We don't know we'll ever see Moses. He must have got killed up there on the mountain that's smoking and shaking and the fire on the mountain and all those things. Uh, you know, we, we, we just don't know what to do. And this is what the, the word actually means is, is to be without understanding and without resource and, and without an option. So you're ashamed. So they, they turn to Aaron and they say, Aaron, uh, uh, you need to make us a God. You need to, you need to lead us in worship. You see, and Aaron being the type of the ministry, I already ministered on this, but Aaron being a type of the ministry, he, he, without the prophet, he was nothing. I'll just say it that way. Is that blunt enough? The fivefold ministry without this message is nothing. There's five, there's ministers out there, gifted men, gifted orators, gifted speakers in denomination, way more gifted than I am. And they got all kinds of ideas and everything like that. And they're nothing because they're missing the resource. They have been made ashamed by God. They are preaching to a people and they are causing the people to become naked. As Aaron did to those people at that time, because without Brother Branham who came to open the word, they have nothing to give the people. They have nothing with which to clothe the, oh, you say, Brother Tim, they got Bibles just like you have Bibles. And, you know, what are you saying, preacher? You know, they read from the same Bible that you read from. It's not the letters that are on the page. It's the anointing that comes to the word. And when the anointing of the age comes to the word, that is what produces faith in the people. 
And what, what is faith in the people, but it's, it is the righteousness in the sight of God, which we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It takes the anointing of the word to produce righteousness, which is the clothing of God's people. There's no other way to do it. That's just, that's just the reality. You know, people can argue about it all they want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Argument doesn't matter. Produce the results. Produce the life of Christ. There's really only one way to say it. And that's where people often make mistakes is when there is this embarrassment of a delay. And, uh, you know, Moses, he was before Pharaoh told to cast down his stick. And he cast down the stick and the, and the Janus and Drambers came and they cast down their sticks and they became snakes. Now in the moment, he didn't have an answer. But he did the right thing. He stood still. If God has commissioned you to do something, you stand still in that. And you wait there. Moses knew, that's all God told me. Throw the stick down. And, and they, he didn't tell me there would be other sticks and other snakes. But he just told me, throw the stick down. I'm just staying with what God told me. It might look like there's a problem, but I'm just going to stand still. And so as he stood still, he watched as his snake ate the other snakes. And then he remembered, God said, okay, pick up your snake. And he picked up his snake by the tail, came back into a rod. And the Janice and Jammers were without rods. Now they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. Because they were defeated in their purpose. Their purpose was to confound the issue. But Moses stood on what God had commissioned him to do. All right. But we're living in a time that is very unique because... The Bible talks about it this way in Revelation chapter 10. We know this chapter 10 and verse 7 says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery of God should be finished. But what is the phrase at the end of verse 6, just before verse 7? That time should be no more. Isn't that the phrase? But what does that mean? It actually means, if you look in the margin of your Bible, some of your Bibles will actually tell you, it says that there should be delay no more. So the revealing of the Word has been delayed. And as long as it has been delayed, there's a potential to be ashamed. But now, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the delay is over. Hallelujah. There's no more shame for the bride of Jesus Christ. The revelation of who she is has been made known. The revelation of God's redemptive purpose has been revealed. The seals have been broken in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. And there is no more delay. There is no more cause for shame. The bride is walking unashamed, clothed with the word of God. Amen. Brother Ram talked about Hannah. We talked about Hannah last time. Talked about how that, you know, she had to get to that soul desire. That she had to find her place that God had called her to. Which she could only go to God for the answer. She couldn't get an answer in herself. She couldn't get an answer in her husband. Who tried to encourage her. 
and tried to say, you know, I, I, he gave her better gifts. And he says, I'm better to you than ten sons. And But that just didn't satisfy. There was something in her. Now, she couldn't help being barren. Are you with me? She couldn't help it that she couldn't have a child. That wasn't her fault. Amen? There was nothing she had done. There is, you look in the scripture, there's different places in the scripture where, where it says, because of this, God closed up the wombs. Right? But that was not Hannah's problem. She had not done anything. She had not transgressed. She had not offended God. She had not done anything wrong. And so she, there was something moving her that said, I, I cannot take this as my inheritance. I cannot accept that, that I will not bring forth a child. I cannot accept this as my lot in life. Now, it wasn't just in her mind. It wasn't just in her physical being, as I said last time. But there was something moving her. The Bible actually says when she come to the temple that time, the Bible says she was in bitterness of soul. Her soul would not let her rest. I'm glad when I was in denomination. My soul would not let me rest. I went to church. I went to the altar. I spoke in tongues. I did what they say was was necessary to be a Christian. But somehow, my soul would not let me rest. This isn't all of it. There's got to be more than this. This doesn't produce the life. There's got to be something else. I didn't know what it was. There was nothing advertised out there that says, come to the message of the hour. There's a church over here in Cloverdale that's got the answers. Never heard about him. Matter of fact, God took me, as you all know, to a little place in the Okanagan. Little town of Oliver. Oh my. A nowheresville of nowheresvilles. Okay. There is nothing there. Amen, Brother Mike? I know you drove through there last year or the year before. He sent me a picture. I said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, it's it's the middle of nowhere and it's the middle of nothing. But God took me there. Why? Because there was a soul crying out. And God took Brother Mark there. And, and, and the testimony has been shared. But the point being, there had to be more. My soul would not let me rest. Your soul will not let you rest. If you are a predestinated seed of God, you might be entrapped by this direction or you might be being led in that direction. But if there's the seed gene inside of you, it will not let you rest. When you lay your head on your pillow, you will not rest. When you go about your things you want to do, you can, you can fill yourself with all kinds of things, but it will not let you rest. So David said, I lift my soul to you. That's why Hannah said, I'm in bitterness of soul. This soul will not let me rest. If I could be satisfied being barren, I would be satisfied, but I cannot. If I would have been satisfied in denomination, that would have been fine, but I couldn't. And you cannot be satisfied because you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, and he sent this message for you. Sorry. You can't be satisfied with anything else. That's just the reality of it. If you can, go ahead and be. But you can't if you're a seed of God.
So you have this, we have this soul burden, I'll call it. We have this soul yearning. We call it the deep calling. We're made in a certain way. God formed you. God made you. God placed you here. And God quickens you. And He alone quickens you. And we must realize that there is... We must come to the line of duty in our lives. Not because it's our duty, but something that must come from the heart to fulfill the heart. And I got, as I got studying this, the soul realm, and I, I, be, I got caught into a, a little phrase that Brother Branham deals with, and he calls it the line of duty. The line of duty. When you're in the line of duty. And he deals with it in different places, in different ways, depending on the location that he's preaching in. Brother Tom ministered on Sunday. Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm not worried that you're not, you're not shouting because it's, it's not that kind of a service. It's just more of a study. But, you know, this soul that we deal with, it's put here for a reason. That means we have what we call the line of duty. We have a duty. We have something we're called to that we can't get away from. And as we look at it, Brother Branham, as Brother Tom ministered on Sunday, he talked about the continual unfolding of the Word, I think was how you phrased it. I call it a progressive revelation. You can call it whatever you want, but... As you follow through even Brother Branham's, and thank you for saying that I can quote from before the seals were opened. <laughs> it's all good. And as, as I was studying this, I began to see that Brother Branham was particularly moved in a certain channel around 1960. All right, if you want to, uh, you can study that for yourself if you want to. But he, he began to take up this thought of the line of duty and how that... God deals with man in the line of duty and how that God helps man in the line of duty and how man, as long as he stays in the line of duty, that God will help him and he'll always be there for him. And I want to just read you a portion here that Brother Branham, this is out of one message in Discernment of Spirit, 1960. It's a recurring thing throughout that year and on into 1961. He says, now if man comes, if a man comes... And he has a great gift, no matter if he belongs to our denomination or another denomination. Don't judge him by what denomination he comes from, how he dresses. But what you want to see is what he's trying to do with that gift. What purpose he has. All right. So now he's saying a man might be gifted, but what is he trying to do with the gift? Okay. He's saying if he's trying to take his influence and build himself a great name out of it, I'd have discernment of spirit enough to know that's wrong. No matter how great a teacher he is, how powerful he is, how intellectual he is, or how his gift operates, if he isn't trying to achieve something for the benefit of the body of Christ, your own spiritual discernment will tell you that that's wrong. No matter how accurate, listen, he goes further. He keeps emphasizing here. No matter how accurate, how perfect, how it is, 
it's wrong if it isn't used for the body of Christ. To achieve something, maybe he's got a great gift that he could draw people together and with a great intellectual or spiritual power that he could draw people together and maybe he's trying to take the gift and make himself famous so that he'll have a big name or that the other brother will, brethren will look up to him as some big person, then that's wrong. Maybe he's trying to edify a certain thing here that he wants everybody else to get out of the picture and let him and his group be the picture. That's still wrong. So finally, it comes down to an example. And his example is Moses. And he says, now, look at Moses when he come to a time that he displayed all his life was the Spirit of Christ. For Christ was in him. Christ was in Moses by measure. Moses threw himself in the path of God's judgment. And said, take me before you take them. In other words, before you can get them, you'll have to come over me. Alright, so Brother Brown's describing something in Moses here. And he says, and when we seen that, God seen that spirit in Moses hanging in the judgment like a cross there. You can't come to them lest you take me first. See the spirit of God in Moses. When he could have been king in Egypt, he could have had every luxury in the world to be popular. But he could have been the great king of the world at that time, but he chose to suffer the persecution and the affliction, for he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater treasures than that of Egypt. See, he threw himself in the way. Why? It was God in Moses that did that. All right. Let me stop there just for a moment. When Brother Bram says it was God in Moses, what we're wanting to see is God in us. It's not our own ideas, neither our own understanding or our own uh, uh, great uh, ability. But rather, Lord, in the heat of the moment, let it be God in me. And there was Moses in the heat of the moment when God says, Moses, step out of the way. I'm going to destroy the people and I'm going to start a new nation out of you. And Moses stands in the gap and he says, God, you can't take them. He says, because you'll have to come through me first. God would have had to destroy Moses. And Moses was a part of God. So God would have had to destroy a part of himself. There's something in every son and daughter of God that stands in the gap. Says, Lord, this is the place I'm called to stand in. I can't help myself. I might not be like this one or I might not be like that one. But I am what I am by the grace of God. And here I stand in the light of the hour, and I stand unmovable. Luther had to do it in his day. And declare, here I stand. You might destroy me. You might send your armies after me. You might do whatever you want to do. But I can't stand anywhere else. I have to stand in the revelation that God has given me. He he was called for that reason. It was Christ in that hour. Brother Branham was Christ in this hour. And you are the bride of Christ with the spirit of Christ in these last days. You're called to stand in the manifestation of the word of God. Just like Moses did. Just like Luther did. Just like Brother Branham did. That's why God has quickened you. Amen. You with me so far? It was God and Moses that did that. The normal thinking intellectual man would never do that. He would take the easy road. What's he talking about? The normal intellectual man would say, okay, Lord, if that's what you want to do. 
I guess. What do I know? I'm nobody. But there was something that God had put into Moses. That he had to stand there and say, Lord, if you're going to kill these people, you're going to kill me too. Because you got to come through me to kill them. That was the Spirit of Christ standing in the gap for somebody else. Hello? Amen. Amen. Brother Bram says, no matter how much a fanatic Moses seemed to be, you see, he was a true prophet of God because he was trying to achieve something for the kingdom of God. With his great prophecy, he might have been a wise man. He could have stood up in Egypt. Now, wait, I'll prophesy so-and-so. I'll say so-and-so. And this is his prophecy. But he would have been world famous, but it wasn't in his heart. It couldn't be in his heart. So if you see a person with a great gift trying to do something to glorify themselves, your own discernment of spirit tells you that's wrong. But Moses was trying to achieve something for the glory of God. No matter how bad it was and how evil it looked and how much it was talked about, the Spirit in Moses directed him straight to the line of duty. The Spirit in him. Amen. All right. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. did I start? I was sure I started on time. I did it again to myself. Are you with me tonight? I was going to say at the beginning, I will definitely be able to finish in one hour tonight. No problem. I'm glad I didn't say that. All right. Now, in this time frame, actually, and throughout Brother Brown's entire ministry, Is this teaching okay? All right. Throughout Brother Branham's entire ministry, when he spoke about the line of duty, most often he spoke about Israel coming to the Red Sea. Okay? And so he he tied, in Brother Branham's mind, in his revelation, those two were tied together as a great example. And he used the Red Sea as a great example of Israel coming to this place. And I want you to notice, in particular... In this time frame of 1960, that Brother Branham referred to it several times as Pentecost being at the Red Sea. And says, you're at a place where you need to have a conference with God. And that's, that's another subject as well. But, but he says, you're at a place where you're at the Red Sea and there's no way forward. You must find a way forward. You cannot go back. And he was, he was ministering to the Pentecostals and admonishing them, you've got to move forward. 
And even though in 1960 he didn't really have an understanding of what moving forward really was, because we know it now as the opening of the word. But he didn't know it at that time. But he just was being moved by the spirit of bringing this. And you can read it for yourself. Go and read all the messages in 1960 and 1961. You'll find them there. All right. Didn't get any amends on that one. So the way forward had a particular meaning. Now, let's just jump in at Exodus 14 here and verse 10. You can tell I'm being very careful tonight. I want to just be very concise, precise, and accurate. In verse 10 it says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. This is after they left Egypt. They're coming to the Red Sea. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we would die in the wilderness. All right, so the people are complaining now. They see Pharaoh and his armies coming, and they don't have an answer. They didn't have an expectation. They saw the miracles. They saw the vindication. Listen, there is no vindication like this message, vindication. I was I was thinking, you know, uh, the other day about somebody in particular, and I, and I was talking to my daughter about it. And I said, you know, the world, uh, and I'll just say even those that, I don't like to talk about them. Even those that walk away from the truth of the message. Okay? And they go back into the world and they, they, the women cut their hair and wear pants and the men become worldly and take on drinking and different things and whatever more. Maybe they smoke whatever they do. You know, it was a great vindication that brought this message. I would like to know the vindication to wear pants. What vindication says you should wear pants? What vindication says you should cut your hair? Show me the vindication. If that's the better way, show me the vindication. Show me the reality. God sent this message with a great vindication. And God sent a message to Israel with a great vindication through Moses. And, and, and plague after plague, supernatural after supernatural. They had come out there. They had great rejoicing. God is with us and all of these things. And now they come to a place. The Red Sea is in front of them. And the Egyptian army is coming behind them. And they don't know what they're going to be doing. Brother Branham talks about, you know, in this place. And he talks about uh, in the message, Former and Latter Rain in 1960. And he talks about Pentecost. And he says, the spirit in the church is becoming so close like Jesus. To the church and the spirit will unite together and the resurrection will come. So he's speaking things that are going to come through the opening of the word. But he's speaking them way back in 1960. That's why his brother Tom said, don't discount the old messages. And he says, oh, you stars of the morning, put your alarm back on. Rise up and wash your face. Get the night out of your eyes. And shine forth the approaching of the Son of God. And then he, he's, now remember he's talking to the Pentecostals. He says, long healing lines should have been gone long ago. 
He's saying, listen, you ought to have been beyond that long time ago. He says, he says the miracles and performance of God has got so much greater than that in this day until that's a back thing. You see what they were wanting to say, leave us here in Egypt. You should have left us in Egypt. At least if we were in Egypt, you know, we had food, we had this, we had that. But brother, brother Branham is saying to the Pentecostals, you need to go forward. You're at the Red Sea, you need to go forward. And God is dealing with Israel here, telling them you have to go forward. Let's read a little bit further. And it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you shall see them no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now Moses didn't know how it was going to happen. He was just saying it. Why was he saying it? He had a commission. God had said, Bring the people out and meet me on the mountain. Amen. Is that right? God met him on the mountain in the burning bush. He says, go down there. I'll send you down with a mighty hand. I'll send my angel before you. You'll bring the people out with a mighty hand. Bring them back to this mountain. And I will speak to you here. They were not at the mountain yet. The commission had not been fulfilled. And they were saying they had not got there yet. But they were saying, well, if we'd have stayed in Egypt... Listen, this message came to bring us out of denomination. Came to bring us out of Pentecostal ideas. Came to bring us out of man-made ideas. Came to bring us out of a partial fulfillment into the fullness of the Word of God. Amen. That's what this message is about. All right. And Moses, he didn't know yet. Brother Branham in 1960, he didn't know yet either. But then it goes on, verse 15. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now imagine being Moses here at this moment. Now God is still speaking, but Moses is digesting the thought. Speak to the people that they go forward. Okay. There's a Red Sea there. (laughs) But then God goes on and gives him the answer. But lift thou thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Because God had a purpose. As brother Tom preached, the trial has a purpose. There was a reason they had to go through the Red Sea because God in the next verse says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will follow them. Why is that a good thing, Lord? That they follow us? Because when you get on the other side, I'm going to close the Red Sea. Hallelujah. And the Egyptians that pursue you, you will see them no more. Amen. Moses, I gave you a commission. Speak to the people that they go forward. There's a mountain in the commission. you got to bring the people to the mountain. And until you get there, nothing can stop you. Amen. We have a commission in this hour. We have a commission. What is our commission? It's a rapture. What's our commission? It's a body change. Well, Brother Tim, what about this? What about that? Go forward. Keep moving. Put one foot down in front of the other. Because God has commissioned a people to a body change. 
God has commissioned a people to fulfill the scripture. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. God has commissioned a people to know that this mortal will take on immortality. God has commissioned a people to know that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. It's a commission. We're not there yet. Keep going forward. Brother Ram says in 1964, he says, Moses, the darkest hour came for him in Israel. He was right in the line of duty. He had met God in the bush who said, I am, I am. He went down and fought through all kinds of impersonation of Janus and Jambres, trying to impersonate his works. All this, he stood true to God. He finally got Israel to believe. And here he comes out of Egypt, going to the promised land, where God said, you'll worship me on this mountain. That was the word of God. Moses knowed he had to go to the mountain. God said so. No Pharaoh can kill him. No devil can kill him. No nothing can kill him. He's coming to the mountain. Brother Ram says, hallelujah, I feel religious. He's going to the mountain. I'm going to a rapture. Amen. There's been a vindicated message. I'm going to a rapture. You have to put your name there. This is my message. God has commissioned me as the bride of Jesus Christ. My soul won't let me rest. I lift up my soul unto God for the fulfillment of the purpose that he put me here. This body must line up with the word of God. Amen. My family must line up with the word of God. Every seed of God must come in line with the word of God. Because it's God's word. It's not the word of a man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach about the what ifs or, or tell me this or tell me that. I'm telling you what's real to me. If it's not real to you, that's, I hate to say it, it's not my problem. Only God can make it real to you. But I'm convinced that there's some here that it's real to them. I'm going anyway. If my mom doesn't go, I'm going. If my dad doesn't go, I'm going. If my brother doesn't go, I'm going. Amen. Joshua and Caleb said, if two million are not going, we're going. We'll wait for the next generation to rise up. We'll walk in the land with them. We'll talk about Joshua here in just a second. Amen. Brother Branham says, no Pharaoh can kill him. No devil can kill him. Nothing can kill him. You know what? Every You realize everybody that's going in the rapture that God had in his mind that will go from mortal to immortality and step across the curtain of time. There's nothing in this world that can kill you. You can stand in front of a tank. You can watch a nuclear missile come down. That doesn't make a difference. I'm going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Before that first bomb falls, I'm going to be going up. Amen. We're going to be caught up out of here. I just happen to believe that there's a people like that and I see no reason why I'm not one of them. Because it's been made real to me. This is that message. And that is the answer that was contained in the Logos. From before the foundation of the world, there was a part of the Logos. Someone asked me, what does the book mean? Here's what the book means. The book is what was in the Logos. Every attribute of God was written in the Logos. It was in His mind. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. I was written there. 
But it wasn't a writing. It was a living reality of a thought that is God's mind. It's not some pinned down thing on a piece of paper. The thoughts of God are substance. And the thoughts of God are eternal. And I was one of them. Not yet manifested. Because I was reserved. Hallelujah. God said that thought's not going down there in Paul's day. That thought's not to be manifested on Irenaeus' day or Columbus' day. That thought is not for Luther's day. It's not even for Wesley's day. Matter of fact, that thought isn't even going to see Brother Branham. But he's going to hear my message that I sent through my messenger, Brother Branham. And when he hears that message, that thought is going to be quickened. And that thought is going to go right on into the rapture. Because there's a portion of the mind of God that must take a body change. It's thus saith the Lord. It's the word of the living God. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I can't help but shout it. It's a reality to the sons and daughters of God. Joshua had that reality in himself. He was the one that was to take the people into the land. Brother Ram says, nothing can kill him. Talking about Moses. He's going to come to the mountain. Talking about the people that are ordained to that. Brother Brown says, I feel religious. But then he says, so are we on our road to glory. Nothing's going to stop us. God is going to vindicate His Word. I don't care what takes place. He's going to do it anyhow. I was reading in the seals where Brother Branham says, what, what the world calls great, God calls nothing. He says, man calls these great big things, is, you know, he calls them great, and God just says, ah, that's nothing. All right, COVID is nothing. The world calls it this great big pandemic. God says, it's nothing. Doesn't mean a thing. Everyone that I've ordained to life are going to come right through it. Amen. Oh, we spent a lot of time on that. We better move on. It doesn't matter what the obstacle is. One time Joshua was in his commission. What was Joshua's commission? Place the people in the land. Now Joshua could have said, you know what, we're having trouble here with, with, we've lost a battle here at AI. To this day I don't know how to say that word. I just say AI. It's just the name of a town. And, and, uh, you know, there they lost some guys in a battle. And, and Joshua could have said, you know what, all I know in the message is Moses said, I'll meet you on the mountain. So let's all go back to the mountain. in the message hello how come it's so quiet in here i'm not getting any amends on that and that's a good thing he could have said let's go back to the mountain moses met god met moses at the mountain we need to meet god again at the mountain we need to go back to mountain meetings we need to have bring us back to the old-fashioned mountain meetings no joshua knew i'm commissioned to place the people in the land 
God spoke to me as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Stay thou in the word, meditate in the word day and night, and therewith you shall be successful. Only be strong and very courageous. The, foot, the places where your footsteps shall tread upon, I give you that land. And so Moses was commissioned. No, God spoke to me and said, this is our land. We are going to possess this land. There might be something else wrong. We might need a conference with God. Brother Bram says in one place, sometimes that's just what the church needs. When the church is not going exactly right, they just need to have a prayer meeting. That's a good thing. They just need to gather together and call on the face of God and and wait upon God and look to God for the answer. That's always a good thing because we're in the commission. And Joshua started to seek God. And he got the answer from God and said, there's sin in the camp. And you know the story. And he had to purge that out of the camp. And they went forward from there. And then they come to another place where there was a battle. And, and and it looked like the battle was going to be delayed. If the if the end of the day was coming and the delay was going to happen and, and people could be people's lives lost because the enemy would have time to regroup and all those kinds of things. But no obstacle can stand in the way of your commission. And Joshua said, sun stand still and moon hang there over Algelon. Amen. And the sun stood still until Joshua fought his way through with Israel and avenged themselves upon their enemy. Why, Brother Branham says, it was in the line of duty. He says, now, if you want to go out here and say, mountain move, I want to show you I can do it, it won't do it. But if it's in the line of duty, when God's commanded you to do something, like he said to Moses... Why cry to me? Speak to the children. People today is crying all the time. Lord, what next? What next? Just speak and go forward. God has commissioned us to do something. Let's do it. Amen. Don't stand around and think, say, how can it happen? Well, this is that to make any difference. God said, do it. Do it anyway. He's still the God of miracles. Amen. God's going to create miracles to bring us into the rapture. He's a miraculous God. He's a supernatural God. He's a God that doesn't know any obstacles. He's a God that doesn't have any opposition. It's us that have opposition and our greatest opposition is just ourselves. Oh, what about this? And what about that? And I came from this and I came from that. There are no obstacles. God has called you to the final commission of the final age. Possess the rapture. Stay in the word day and night. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Amen. His whole commission was to for the people to possess the inheritance. Achan couldn't send him back. The sun and the moon couldn't set him back. At the end of his life, at the end of Joshua's life, think about this now. i got to bring this to a close here somewhere. At the end of his life, what does Joshua say to the people? They were still possessing the message of Moses. You will come to a land flowing with milk and honey. But Joshua says, there's still much land to possess. In other words, he's saying, listen, I've done all I can do for you. I've taken you as far as I can take you. But that doesn't mean it's all of it. The commission is not just in me. The commission is in you. Go up and possess the land. Know 
what your inheritance is. Every legal right to what Adam and Eve lost. I give you the message of the hour. They were walking under the message of Moses. Is that right? They had the word. Joshua didn't write any more word. Joshua led the people in the message of the hour. And he took them into the land and placed them in the land based on the promise of God to his people. There's no more message to be revealed. Just give me a a few minutes more of your undivided attention. There's no more message to be revealed in this hour. But everything that you need to possess what Adam and Eve lost is laying in the message of the hour. There is no more delay. The time is here. Doesn't matter what the issue is. There's no mountain too big. You might feel like your nose is pushing up against a mountain. But Tim, there's not a mountain in the distance. I'm right up against it today. I was reading where Brother Branham said, he says, I love nothing better than to see an obstacle that's, that's right in front of me. He says, I can't get over it. I can't get under. He says, there's no greater feeling than to know that God has to move that. He says, and I may even get right up to it and push my nose against it. He says, but I keep walking. Knowing that God has to move that mountain. Hallelujah. If a prophet of God can do that, that in that message in him, the message will produce the same results in you. Oh, there's times, I might not even feel like that tonight, where there's things in life that it's just like, Lord, I'm right here and I don't know where else to go. Just go forward. Just keep walking. Know that the devil has to fall to the right or to the left. The mountain has to crumble. The obstacle has to fall. The thing must be removed. Because your eyes are on the commission. And God has called you to arrive at the destination. There can be no more delay. The hour of delay is over. This message announced there's no more delay. The days of the voice of the seventh angel is here. The bride has been restored to her rightful inheritance. Possess your mountain. Hallelujah. Possess your land. Let's stand together as musicians come. See, the enemy doesn't just want to destroy you. He wants to destroy that deposit of God that is within you. Yeah, I don't actually believe the devil cares too much about me one way or the other. I'm just another nobody to him. I thank God I'm not a nobody to God. But I know I'm just another stepping stone for the devil. He'll just cast me aside like he did anybody else if he could. But the purpose is, is there's a people of God that have a part of God in them. And if he can defeat you... He can defeat God. Do you realize that? 
It's God in you. It's the thought from before the foundation of the world that's resting in your soul. And if He can stop you, He can stop God. And the devil cannot stop God. Hallelujah. I have a maker. Amen. I have a maker. He formed my heart. And before even time began, my life was in his hand. He knows my name. for Brother Tom sharing that story about Joel on Sunday. Brother Tom dropped some nuggets in there. I hope you caught all of the nuggets he was sharing with us. He was sharing with how God spoke to them about Joel and how God spoke to Brother Ed about Joel. And it helped me. It helped me. And I'll tell you why it helped me. I had a custom after I came into the message and read what Brother Branham uh, said about the importance of a name. The importance of a name. And every child that I had after that, which was actually after my first child, so it began with Stephen. I sought God. I was sharing this with Brother Biscoll after he dedicated the last child. He said, well, how did you come up with the name? I said, well, here's the story. Every child I just prayed. And I prayed and I prayed. Until I prayed down to one name. I didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl. I didn't have one boy's and one girl's name. I had one name. It was hit or miss. Stephen. And then Philip. And then Paul. And then Abigail. I might even have the wrong order. I don't know. <laughs> All the way down to Deborah. One name. When I... When Deborah was born in the hospital, I took the piece of paper out of my pocket and I gave it to Sarah. I said, here's the name. Deborah Ann. 
boy's name for the boy, girl's name for the girl. Just one name. I got to thinking about that because of what you shared. I thought, who knew their name? And I began to count the odds. If you get the first one, it's 50-50, right? But the second one, it's 25% or one out of four. Then the third one, it's one out of eight. The fourth one, it's one out. And all the way down to the ninth one, it's 512 to one that you'll nail it on all nine of them. I didn't nail nothing. But I'll just say God gave me their name. And then I took your inspiration. And I, and I said, God, if you knew their name, you still know their name. If you gave me their name when they were born, it's because you knew it. And if you know it, you can't forget it. And I'm going to keep reminding you of them. Listen, you don't have to have the same experience. You don't have the same experience as Brother Tom. But God knows your name. God knows your children's names. God knows each and every one of His attributes that He had in His thoughts before the foundation of the world. And in that alone we stand tonight. Amen. Does He know your name? I have a Father. He knew my name. He knew me before the foundation of the world. And it's because of that He's revealed Himself to me. And if He's revealed Himself to me, He'll open the eyes of every one of my children. I believe that with all my heart. Thank you, Brother Tom, for sharing that. That was a real blessing. He knows my name. Can you sing it with all your heart? I have a father. Amen. I Heavenly Father, we can no more be defeated than you can be defeated, Lord. We might not feel like it. We might not understand it. We not, might not be able to put it in our reasoning or our conscience, Lord. But Lord, there's a seed that you have put within our heart. And we lift up our soul unto you, O God. And say, let us not be ashamed. Let us not come short of the goal. Let not our enemies triumph over us. Though the devil would destroy us, he will not be able because he cannot destroy you, O God. 
And it is you living within us. No more than you could destroy Moses. Because it was you in Moses. And it's you in us. And the devil has no choice but to step aside. Lord, I pray that the revelation of your word will drop into every predestinated soul this morning, this evening. And Lord, may it quicken their life and show them who they are in the sight of God. Not in their own thinking, not in the reasoning of man trying to figure out some salvation, but in the predestinated purpose of God, revealed in sons and daughters of God, made real by faith, O God, deposited within our life that causes us to stand, causes us to put our shoulders back, Not in our own strength, not in our own knowledge, but in the revelation that if God be for us, who can be against us? We love you, Lord. We love your word. We thank you for this message. We thank you for the life that you poured within us, O God. May it quicken us and make us more like you day by day, moment by moment. We commit this service to you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's just sing one more chorus before we go. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee, O God. As the
you. Service is dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ. You just mind the Lord. Greet one another as you go.